Hey, this is Travis Bennett, the pastor here at Arena of Life Church, and I just want to welcome you to our podcast. I pray this builds your faith, encourages you, and brings you to newer levels in Christ. Enjoy the message. I didn't study this last night, but as I was praying this morning in my office before the first service, the Lord reminded me of this text. It's found in Psalm 27. Remember, we're talking about David. And we saw this in the very first one. In verse 10, it says, Although my father and my mother have abandoned me, yet the Lord will take me up. Talking about, if you were here in the first one, he, he, he mentions here that he doesn't, he, he feels like a bastard child. But then it goes on in verse 11, it says, Teach your, me your ways, O Lord, and lead me on a level path. How many of y'all... I, I believe this with all my heart. You just coming out of Thanksgiving. Maybe y'all had that Thanksgiving meal where, you know, so-and-so showed up. Like, not just you, but it makes everybody uneasy when they show up to the party. You might be that actual person, so I'm talking to you right now, too. All right? But aren't you thankful for the presence of God? Aren't you thankful for the Word of God? Come on, aren't you thankful to get in the house of the Lord where He can put us back on a level path? Where you just feel like, you know, in those times in your life where you just feel like you're on the teeter-tarter of life. Like you're just waiting for someone bigger than you to sit on that and launch you off and and, and get you all off course. Can Can I tell you that's what the enemy does? He distracts you. He puts things out in front of you. He puts people out in front of you. He puts mindsets. He puts things. But I'm just, I'm pointing this out this morning. As we get in the Word of God, He's going to bring us back to a level path. David saying, I may be a bastard child, but you know what? God's words bring me back to a level place. He said, because of my enemies, verse 12, do not give up to the will of my, do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have come against me. How many of y'all have ever felt like that before? They breathe out violence. Then in verse 13, come on, tattoo this on your heart today. I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Come on, give God praise for that right there. I love what the King James says this. I remain confident in this. I may not be confident of the news. I may not be confident of my surroundings. I may not be confident of what tomorrow might bring, but I am confident of this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then verse 14, 14, it says, Wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for and confidently expect the Lord. So God, that's what we do this morning. We wait for, and God, we say we are confident of this, that Lord, you are showing, you are here in our midst. You've showed up to minister to us. And so, Lord, we cast all our care on you, for you care for us. Open eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, all heaviness, all weight, all things that we've taken on ourselves that we know are not of you. God, I pray that today that there's freedom in the room. There's freedom in the room today. Lord, minister to each and every one of us. Direct our steps in Jesus' name. And all God's people said... Amen. Why don't you look at your neighbor before you're seated and said, you are lucky you got to sit next to me. Come on, lie to him if you have to. That's right. 
Amen. I would have said you look like you've lost 20 pounds, but we know that's a lie. Amen. I just want to tell you on behalf of this staff and, and pastors and elders and the, and the, and the uh, leadership and uh, board of this church, I want to tell you guys happy Thanksgiving, and I'm going to tell you that we are thankful for each and every one of you. And I hope you gave thanks with a grateful heart and a full stomach and... Uh, how about them cowboys? Come on, somebody. Amen. I, I better get more amen from some other things. It better not be a big amen for the cowboys and not for the Lord today, all right? Because uh, the cowboys have done nothing for your spiritual well-being. Ain't that the truth? Well, if you have your Bibles today, open them to 1 Samuel chapter 18. And uh, I, I'll tell you, I struggled with this particular text because the Lord gave me direction before I even started it talking about from the pasture to the palace. And if you haven't been here over the last couple of weeks, we, we started out with this text in Acts chapter 13 and verse 22. It says, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. And, you know, lots of times we look at people's life and we show up to their place and we see their, all the things that they have and the cars they drive and the house that they may live in. And what we see about them is uh, right away we think, wow, the Lord truly has blessed them. And I believe this with all my heart that God, come on, lift your hand if God has blessed you with the things that you have today. But how many of y'all know this? Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. We know this in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He said, he said I planted Apollos water, but it's God who brings the increase. See, God wants to work with us. Lots of times we look at the game and we look at the gear and see all the things that they have, but we forget the grind that it took in order for them to have that. Like I'm looking at Leo here. I see uh, um, his business and all the things that he has and all of that. If I'm not careful, I'll just show up and say he was an overnight success, but it wasn't that. It was the grind of many years and a dad telling you this is the way you do it and the only way you do it, young man. And... Uh, but how many of y'all thankful for parents that lead us and guide us and direct us in the way that we should go today? And see, looking at David's life, we, we aspire to be like the Lord, that we want to be like him. The Bible tells us in John that, that greater works shall we do, and we want to be like Jesus. But we look at David's life, and we see the grind that it took for him to get into the palace, and it's the same grind that it's going to take from you and I. It's going to take the same grind. It's going to take the same uh, intuition. It's going to take the same drive on the inside of us in order to get to the palace of life. And I don't care how old you are. God desires you to be in the palace. You say, like, Pastor, I'm a wash-up. I'm old. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm telling you, till the day you die, you ought to taste and see that the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. You should always aspire to what is ahead of you and not what's behind you. Amen. And so we look at his life, and the first thing we looked at was, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And it doesn't matter what family you've been brought up in. It don't matter what pedigree your mother and dad have. It don't matter those things. What matters is this, is you, because life is a setup, and you choose the way it's set up. And if you're going to set it up to be right, you've got to have, be a man or a woman after God's own heart. And God sees this, some things in him. He just didn't end up in the palace. He was out in the field. He was playing the harp. He practiced. He was killing the lion and the bear that was setting him up again to kill the giant. And we see in 1 Samuel 16 that, that uh, Saul or Samuel is grieving because Saul has messed up the king, the only king of Israel. And so he goes and he looks for him. The first one we looked at was David the son. 
and, and David, how he had felt rejected, but God had set him up while he was in the field, out in the field. He said, go get your boy, bring him in. He anointed him with a horn of oil. Something died, something was sacrificed, and he became the, uh, the new king of Israel, but yet he wasn't in the position yet because Saul was still in charge uh, of the palace. And, and uh, again, Saul was anointed with a flask of oil, a man-made oil, but David was anointed with a horn of oil. Aren't you thankful? Aren't you thankful that someone died for you and anointed you for such a time as this? His name is Jesus. So we looked at David the son. We looked at David the worshiper. How many of y'all know the Bible says this? In his presence is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. We see this in 1 Samuel chapter 16 when they begin to talk about, and he's playing the harp for Saul that is now a madman and possessed with devils. He is a worshiper. And I want to tell you this. Before you become a warrior and kill any giants, I want to tell you, you must have praise inside of your heart. You've got to ha- I'm telling you, there's something about lifting your hands and lifting your voice. I, like I said, I said, how about them cowboys? You went, I'm telling you what, I, I watched that video again of Luke Bryant killing that deer. I don't know if you saw it. Yes. <gasps> He looked, he looked like an idiot, right? And I would have done the same thing. I'm not saying, you know, it was a big deer that Luke Bryant killed. But I want to tell you this. I would hate to think that I get more excited about a dead deer than I, have, than I am about a living God. Amen? He was a worshiper. And then the next one we see this, that he was a warrior we saw last week. So the, he was a worshiper. And then last week I hope you saw this, that your confession. Death and life is in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Your very beginning of your Bible talks about confession. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out form and board, and darkness upon the face of the deep. And God said, let there be light. You know what brought light into this situation? God's voice. Mac, you know what will bring light into a situation? Your voice. Come on, I'm telling you, 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 will, you, will, you can either live by your words or die by your words. But I don't know about you, but I want to live by my words. Death and life's in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, my boys yesterday, they wrestled at the Panhandle Nationals. It was like 40 years they've done that. And my son had to wrestle. Very first one, he had to wrestle as a four-time state champion. And my son, right away, he said, Dad, he is so hard. He's going to be so hard. Dad, he is, he, is so much, he is so much better than me. He started telling me all these things. I'm telling you, I said it then as I'm telling you right now. I'm going to talk to you like I talked to my boy. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. If you lose with your tongue right now, you will lose that match. He did not get pinned, but he lost. And it's a good moment. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. I'm telling you, it worked back then, and it worked for the, to kill the giant. He killed him with his mouth before he ever killed him with the stone. Now we pick up the story here, and I hope you uh, like, there's some of y'all, watch y'all on Facebook, you love drama, so you're going to love this story. Are you ready to lean in? All right, 1 Samuel chapter 18. Today I want to talk about David the hunted, or David the sought, or David on the run. And you be here next week, because I'm going to talk about David the sinner. And so, uh, uh, but lean in with me if you would. So, so giant is killed. 
And uh, he asked him in the latter part of 17, he said, he asked him, he says, whose son are you, young man? David answered, I am the, the son of your servant, Jesse of Bethlehem. Now in verse 1, it says, when David, and I'm going to commentate as we go through this, so just bear with me. Chapter 18 and verse 1, when David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was bonded to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as himself. Can I tell you this before I even get started? When there's an anointing on your life, good people will be attracted to you. But also, too, you need to know this. When there's an anointing on your life, bad people that hate your guts will be attracted to you as well. When you stand for the truth and you stand for righteousness, there is going to be people that hate your living guts. Dear Darla, I hate your stinking guts. You make me vomit. You're the scum between my toes. How many of y'all know when there's an anointing? But I'm telling you right, right now, I would much rather have the anointing on me than be liked by everybody in the world. So it goes in verse 2. It says, so Saul took David that day and did not let him return to his father's house. I hope you see right here in this text right here. He would not let him return to his father's house. This is a control that would be over him for 16 years. And when you have people in your life that control you of where and where you should not go, I'm telling you, you look out. It's going to be hard for them to let go one day down the road. It goes on verse 3. It says, Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan stripped himself of the outer robe that he was wearing and gave it to David with his armor, including his sword, his bow, and his belt. So he's telling us that he goes, we know this from a study, I have it wrote here, Pastor Robert taught, he went into a blood covenant with David. How many of y'all thankful for friends in your life? I'm going to say that again. How many of y'all, you might be sitting next to one, you maybe want to amen a little bit louder. Even if it's your wife or your, your husband or whatever it is, how many of y'all thankful for friends in your life? But you know, in the culture that we live in today, what we call a friend is not necessarily a friend. They're an acquaintance, right? Like I have tons of friends on Facebook, but I promise you a big majority of those people, if I got thrown in jail, would not bail me out. Can I get an amen out there, right? So they may be called friends on Facebook, but they're more of acquaintances. I mean, there's people that ask me to be friends that I know who they are, but they don't know who I am. I mean, it's not like we broke bread together or anything like that, but we know who each other is. But in this particular time, when people were friends, it was more than that. They had a covenant with one another. And, and so when, when they were friends, they would provide for each other to the exhaustion of their resources. Even this, he gave up his coat. He gave up everything he had. He said, David, whatever I have is yours. How many of y'all know that's a good friend? Uh, a friend would stand for each other, even, in, uh, even if it comes between us and our family, and my family, I'm going to stick with you rather than my family. Uh, a friend would defend one another even if, the, even if the person had to shed his own blood for them to stay alive. That's what a friend would do. I want to point this out about David and Jonathan's relationship. Uh, to be a Jonathan um, or to have a Jonathan in your life, you got to be a Jonathan. And I want to point this out, talking about Jonathan and the relationship, the friendship that he had with David. You, you might say, I don't have a friend like that. Well, you're wrong if you have a relationship with Jesus. Aren't you thankful for the blood covenant that we have that for, with our friend that sticks closer than any brother? When everybody else fails us, we have a God that's still on the throne, that he never leaves us and he never forsakes us. I'm telling you, every resource that he has, he said, you can have it. Everything that I have, now you can have. I created you in my image. I will die for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Come on, how many of y'all thankful for the friendship 
that we have with Jesus. We might look at this story and say, I wish that was for me. I'm telling you, that is us, and that is for us. It goes on to say, all right, I'll, I'll try to stop preaching here. So David went out, because the drama in this is really good. So David went out wherever Saul sent him, and he acted wisely and prospered. How many of y'all know when there's an anointing on your life? Whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. I'm telling you, we read stories like, uh, or we read Psalms like Psalm 23. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, he has a good confession. We're about to see the story here. That wasn't always the case, but his mouth was right. It goes on to say, it says, And Saul appointed him over the men of war, and it pleased all the people and also Saul's servants. As they were coming home, when David returned from killing the Philistine, and the, uh, the women came out of the cities of Israel, singing and dancing to meet King Saul and tambourines, joy and musical instruments. The women sang and played and danced, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Then Saul became very angry. No way. For this saying displeased him, and he said, They have ascribed to David tens of thousands, but to me they've only ascribed a thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? Now get this story straight. He's now friends in a blood covenant with Saul, uh, Saul's son Jonathan. He has just killed the giant uh, that was oppressing the Israelites. He is now in Saul's palace here. Women come out. They have a number one seller, all right? Not meaning there's a million copies in a cellar somewhere. That means it's a number one. Millions of copies have been sold, and they are singing, Saul has killed his uh, thousands, but David has killed his tens of thousands. How many of y'all know you can go from zero to hero overnight? Right? But also, too, the very next day, you can go from, from cheers to we're about to see to spears being thrown at you. How many of y'all know, you ought to know this, whatever battle you just won, you better be waiting because another battle's coming your way. We saw in the story last week that the giant, the Philistine, for 40 days, evening, morning, and night, he came after them. The devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy, right? We know this, he roams about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. We know that in the morning, he's like a lion. We know that in the evening, he's like a lion. We know that in the afternoon, he is like a lion. And I'm telling you what, when, a, when women start singing about David killing tens of thousands and Saul only a thousand, how many of y'all know jealousy is going to creep into somebody's heart? Can I tell you right now, how many of y'all have ever had to deal with a jealous spirit inside of your home? If you ain't raising your hand, you a liar from the pit of hell. How many of y'all know we've all dealt with jealousy before? We've all dealt with it. And what happens here is he gets himself in the comparison trap. And before I even get started, I'm going to tell you right now. You're either David in this story or you're Saul in this story. <clears throat> David honors God and, honors, uh, and, and God honors David. I want to tell you the things that David did today promoted him for tomorrow. But Saul, the one who got jealous, I'm telling you, at the end of the story, he dies on his own sword. I just want, I want to talk about this for a second. Listen, we, <clears throat> I deal with this all the time with people. And it gets in my home through my kids, and I shut it down immediately. Because you know what happens? It's, it, jealousy is not the problem. It's insecurity in people. 
that leads to jealousy. And can I tell you, if you're with somebody right now, ladies, if you're in a relationship with a man that is insecure, wiggle out of it. Thou saith your pastor right now. Men, if you're in a relationship with a woman that is insecure, I'm telling you, there is no words that you can give her that will make her secure. You know what an insecure person, I, I, the Lord showed me this years ago, you know what insecurity is like? It's like insufficient funds in a bank. When you have insufficient funds and you get a little bit, you're spending because just to make ends meet, and you always back up in insufficient funds. But if you have a good, solid base that is in your checking account, and you've been wise with your money and a good steward, when that money comes in, you're, you're, you're spilling up over the top. See, when people are insecure, they're like insufficient funds. They have no base. So what they do is, is they get addicted to words that people tell them, but then they're always looking for the other word to come after them because they have nothing to stick to. And then what happens is insecurity leads to jealousy. And jealousy leads to envy, and envy leads to murder. You don't believe me? Watch Cops. You ever watch Cops? I love Cops. One of my favorite things, I get as excited about Cops as I do about watching football. Especially when they're about to tase them, I'm like, tase them! <laughs> Judge me all you want to, but I, lo I love a good tasing. In fact, we were at Walmart a couple years ago, and I, I, I got messed up because I was staring out the window there, and they, they had their tasers pulled on this guy, and I was like, I'm, I'm about to witness this live. This is awesome! And they did. They tased him. You know, he, he got the Holy Ghost for sure. But you watch cops. You know what the biggest thing is? You know why people murder people? Insecurity. That led to jealousy. What is jealousy? It's me. Me, 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 me. I'm telling you, Toby Keith, he sang it best. I don't always talk about you, 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 usually. But occasionally, I always talk about me. How many of y'all know those people that it's all about them? When they say me more than they do anything else. See, this is what's going on in Saul's life. When you deal with this, I'm telling you, you get ready for a spirit to be throwing spears at you. But I'm telling you, I'm going to say this right now. David didn't get to the palace because it was rosy. David got to the palace because he had to deal with some Saul's. And I'm telling you, if you lean in today, there's some things in the story that you can grab a hold of that you may be going through some Saul moments right now, but God is able to pull you out of that insecurity and that jealousy that you're dealing with. Are you hearing me today? So what happens is, is what happens when somebody gets jealous, they're no longer running the race that God's called them to race. They're, they're so worried about somebody else. I really didn't mean to go here this morning, but I'm going here. There, 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 what happens is, is this, you're running somebody else's race. See, you know what we do is we compare. And when you, I wrote this in my Bible years ago. Comparison always clouds the clarity of your calling. How many of y'all have ever, I, I've, I've gotten in fender benders before because I was staring at other people. <laughs> you can laugh all you want to, Gabe, but it's terrible. But some of y'all might be that driver where you look straight ahead. I'm telling you, you're boring. You're missing out on all kinds of stuff, all right? But I pulled up years ago. I was young. I was like 16, 17 years old. And I was looking at this car, and I'm like, how is this thing running? And when I didn't realize it, I had my foot just a little bit off the clutch, and I hit the person in front of me. 
How many of y'all know, even in your life, when you're too, when you're too caught up on everybody else's affairs, you're gonna, you, you are going down a road to destruction, and you're about to wreck. And I'm here to tell you right now, you need to quit caring about what everybody else has on Facebook. You need to care about your own life. And you pursue the Lord. I'm telling you, there, there's so, it's, there, there's, listen, I put out some great uh, family pictures of my family. But what you don't know is this. We took 175000 to get one. And the only thing, the one that you see is the one that I put out there and I chose for you to see. But all the other ones, all the hiccups, I mean, we were taking uh, pictures at the golf course and Anson uh, had an American hat on, a nice one. It flew off and went into swamp golf water. Brandy was out there. With, had her shoes off, and we were waiting. See, we didn't take pictures of any of that. I'm tell, see, the reason I'm telling you this, some of y'all are so caught up on seeing somebody else, and you don't realize that they have flaws too. I'm here to tell you, they're chasing after the same God that you're chasing after, and we got to do it one eye at a time. Us on the prize, me and you, looking to the goal of what God has in store for us. Let's not look at somebody else, because I'm telling you, I'm not going to compare. I'm going to celebrate, and I'm going to complete other people rather than compare to them. Are you hearing me today? It's like other pastors in town. Rather than playing the comparison trap with them, I'm going to say this. You know what? I'm not going to compete with you. I'm going to complete you, because there is tons of unsaved people in Amarillo, Texas. Amen? There's unsaved people out there. So rather than competing, let's complete and let's celebrate other people. So it goes on. It says, Saul looked at David with suspicion from, the, from that day forward. Verse 10. Now it came about in the next day that the evil spirit from God came forcibly on Saul. And he raved inside his house while David was playing the harp with his hand as usual. And there was a spear in Saul's hand. I just tell you this. If you're in a room. With some animosity, insecurity, jealousy, envy. And they have a spear in their hand. You might want to get out of the room. So it goes on. It says, Saul hurled the spear. For he thought it will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. I want to ask you the question. What do you do when the spear is thrown at you? And before you answer me quietly. I want you to think about. How spears have been thrown at you. Listen, spears are thrown at me in emails all the time. You're either Saul in the story or David in the story. See, there's a reason that God anointed David because he didn't like things about Saul. But if he would have taken the spear out of the wall and threw it back, he was anointing the same king that he already had. Man, I hope you get this in your heart today. You're like, Pastor, I don't even own a spear. <laughs> Let me break this down for you. <laughs> Let me ask you this. How many of y'all have ever had spears thrown at you? All right, now we're cooking with peanut oil. Whether it be an email or a Facebook. Or last Thanksgiving, last Thursday. There's spears that have been thrown. You're either David in the story or you're Saul in the story. David evades him. See, David loved Saul. 
But in this story, what, what, what goes on to say is this. Is, is Saul goes, you know what? This is how I'll get him. I'm going to give him one of my daughters. And he goes, no, I'm not going to give him that daughter. I'm going to give him another daughter. And this is what happened. She will seduce him because she loves him and, and get him to the place where I can kill him. And we see in chapter 19 and verse 1, it says, Now Saul told his son Jonathan and all his servants to kill David. But Jonathan, saw, Saul's son, greatly delighted in David. So... In 19 and verse 1, we see that Saul puts him on the most wanted list. How many of y'all know insecurity leads to jealousy? Jealousy leads to envy, and envy always leads to murder. Be careful of who you're envious of. So then we see the rest of the story here that uh, Saul tells, tells Jonathan, he said, Oh, you know what, he's all right. He begins to butter him up and say, You know what, I'm not going to kill him. But we see in verse 9 here, Then an evil spirit from the Lord came on Saul as he was sitting in the house with his spear in his hand. So now David's back in the picture and David was playing the harp with his hand. Now, I'm skipping a whole lot of stuff, but I'm trying to just give you the gist because I'm trying to come to a point at the very end. Saul tried to pin David to the wall with the spear, but he escaped from Saul's presence so so that Saul only struck the spear into the wall. Then David fled and escaped that escaped the night. I want to tell you this. What do you happen when the spear is thrown at you? A second time, and a third time, and a fourth time, and a fifth time. So the Bible tells us this, and, I, and, and, and what I realize from the text right here, because of what David does, and how David honors the Lord, every time he leaves, there's a group of people that's with him. How many of y'all thankful for the house of God, and there's a people of God that are with us? Amen? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. I'm thankful for godly relationships that help us and direct us to do the right thing. And what I see about David is he continues to honor the Lord and he walks out of it, doesn't throw the spear back. And God is, he's always one step ahead of Saul. I'm telling you, when he's going up one side, Saul's going up one side, David's going down the other. And we see this throughout this whole story. And I want to tell you this, he doesn't become king by just being a worshiper. He doesn't become king by being a warrior. You know when he becomes king is the time that he's hunted the most. I'm here to tell you, you're going to go to the palace. You might be in a place right now where you're being hunted, where you're being run after, where the enemy is attacking you on every side. But I'm telling you, if you allow the Lord to do some things in your life today, palace is right around the corner. Are you hearing me? And so what we see about the text is he evades again and he... he Uh, he ends up in this place where everybody's prophesying and good Saul shows up and they're prophesying. But in verse 20, chapter 20 and verse 3, if you go with me there, David is now 21 years old. He had killed Goliath six years ago. He still has a group of men that is with him, but he meets Jonathan in this field. And he said, David vowed again saying, your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your sight. And he said, do not let Jonathan know this or he will be worried. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is hardly a step between me and death. Can I tell you? He said there's a step between me and death. The Bible says this, every day is a vapor. So every day, everything that you do, how many of y'all know we need to do it as unto the Lord? How many of y'all know you could be gone tomorrow? So the things that you do today are going to make a difference for tomorrow. Are you hearing me? And so what he does is he vows with Jonathan. He says this, listen. Jonathan says, hey, there's going to be a feast inside the palace. You have a tape. You have a seat at the table. But I'm going to fill out my dad. There's going to be three days of eating there. And on the third day, I'm going to fill him out. And if he is for you, I'm going to shoot arrows, three arrows. And I'm going to have a boy. If he comes 
close to you and say, hey, it's right there close to you, that means you can come sit at the table. But if I shoot those arrows beyond him, that means you need to get out of here because my dad has nothing to do with you. And pick up the story in verse 27. But on the next day, the second day of the new moon, David's place was empty. And Saul said to Jonathan, his son, why has the son of Jesse not come to the meal? Either yesterday or today, Jonathan answered Saul. David earnestly asked me for permission to go to Bethlehem. He said, please let me go because our family is holding a sacrifice in the city. And my brother has commanded me to attend. He's calling David his brother here. He said, now if I have favor in your eyes, please let me slip away so that I may see my brothers. That is why he has not come to the king's table. Then Saul's anger burst against Jonathan and he said, you son of a... Don't you love the Bible? Come on, don't you love the word of God? I mean, I know if somebody says you son of a, you know this is not going to be good. I just want to tell you, your granny didn't come up with you son of a. It was in the Bible. He said, you son of a wayward, rebellious woman. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse over me to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son, how many of y'all know he hates this? He, he absolutely hates David. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom will be established. So now sin and bring him to me, for, for he must die. Now we see what the root of really why he's mad. Said Jonathan answered Saul, his father, why must he be put to death? What has he done? Then Saul hurled his spear at him. To strike him down so Jonathan knew that his father had decided to put David to death. So then he goes out there. He shoots the arrows. And then he tells the guy, I want you to go. He tells the guy that, that's capturing the arrows. He said, go on from here. And Jonathan, the Bible says, he meets David. They weep together. And he says, you better run. But now this time, he doesn't run with men. He runs by himself. How I many of y'all know this is a whole different ball game? So then the Bible tells us in chapter 21, he ends up at this place. He went to Nob where there's, there's, there's this priest. And he lies to the priest. We see in, in verse 2, the king has, he, David tells this priest, the king has commissioned me with a matter and has told me, let no one know anything about the matter for which I am sending you and with which I have commissioned you. I have directed the young men to a certain place. So he lies to him. And then... They, they break bread together, but this is the point where I want to get today. In order for you to get to the palace, in order for you to win when somebody is hunting you and running after you that is an enemy to you, David knows something that he has to have in his hand. And it's found in verse 8. David said to Ahimelech, the priest, do you not know? Do you not have a sword or a spear here on hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the enemies." Because the king's business was urgent. Verse 9. Then the priest said, The sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you killed in the valley of Elah, is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you would take it for yourself, do so. For there is no other here except for it. And David said, There is none like that. Give it to me. PSA. I'm ready to preach. <laughs> David knows this. We may have broke bread together, but if I'm going to go on from this moment, I've got to have a sword in my hand. And I love it that God said, or, or that the story tells us that the priest says, I don't have just no ordinary sword. 
Can I tell you this? The enemy, I've said this many times before, but I want you to get this. The enemy has no new tricks. Like he's run out of resources. The same things that he did in 1 Samuel is the same things that he does today. Of all of that, of insecurity to jealousy to envy to murder, all of that. I'm telling you, he has no new tricks. Can I tell you? There's no new tricks for us either. He said this. He said, the same sword that you won in the valley of Allah up against the biggest giant that we've ever faced. The same sword that you used to cut off that giant to walk in victory. That same sword, I have it for you for here today. There's no other sword like it. Can I tell you, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm here to tell you today, the same word that God gave you in 1995 is the same word that's going to kill the Goliath today in 2022. I want to tell you today, don't underestimate the power of one scripture because Philippians 4.13 still works today. Come on, how many of y'all believe that? Psalm 91 still works today, that he keep his angels charged round about you, keep you in all your ways. Psalm 107.20, that word still works. That spear, that sword that killed that giant years ago still works today. He's got no enemy. He's got no new tricks in the bag. It still works today. It still works today. It still works today. Pastor, you always say this. Yes, I do, and I'll say it next year as well. In 2023, I'll tell you this. The word works if you just work it. In 2024, I'm going to say the word will work. You know you know, we're coming up on election. They're going to be coming out with some kind of black leg, hairy foot or something. You know they're going to be coming out with something. I'm going to tell you the same thing I'm going to tell you today. The word will work if you just work it. 1 Peter 2.24 says he sent his word and he healed us and delivered us from all destruction. Amen? Come on. Oh, no, that's Psalm 107.20. 1 Peter 2.24 says, By his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53 tells us a chastisement of his peace was upon us and that by his stripes we are healed. I'm just here to tell you this. I'm telling you, he says, I will remain confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He had to take himself back to that place of the valley of Elah. This is a big giant that I'm up against. Saul wants to kill me everywhere that I go, but I am going to have to have a sword, and I need to go back to the place. I need the very sword that cut off that giant. The same sword will be active for me today. You know, in Ephesians chapter 6, people, most people look straight over this. But in Ephesians chapter 6, he says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. He tells us... Uh, uh, you, re- you wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers over darkness, wickedness in high places. When you've done everything to stand, he says, stand therefore, girding, gir- girding your, be- well, uh, your, your waist with what? The belt of truth. He doesn't come out swinging with the sword. He comes out with the written word of God. I'm telling you, in order for you, you know, the thing that we want to see, we want to see the helmet of salvation, we want to see the sword of the spirit, we want to see the, 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 the shield of faith, breastplate of righteousness, shoes of peace. You know, all of those are, we can't see any of those things. But you know one thing we can physically see with our eyes is the written word of God. Are you guys with me this morning? 
I'm telling you, he goes on from here. After he gets this sword, he kills all kinds of people. He kills the Philistines. He runs from Saul all of that time. In fact, he has two different moments where he can kill uh, Saul himself. He doesn't do it, but he has a sword in his hand that changes everything because he knows he's got to have a sword inside of his hand. Look what, look what David said in Psalm chapter 1 and verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Everybody say law of the Lord. What's he talking about? He's talking about the word of God. He's talking about the sword that is inside of his hand right here. I'm telling you, when you ignore the word of God and cease to apply it to your life on a daily basis, you have willfully chosen to let your entire spiritual life come apart at the seams. You know why people get offended? Because they ain't got the word in them. I'm going to say that with all confidence. There's things that I say that people get offended at. It's because they ain't got the word in them. When people have, a, look, that's an insecurity. Right? When they don't have a, something to grab a hold of, the word on the inside of them, I'm telling you, they will always struggle no matter where they go. If they're not upset with me, they're going to be upset with somebody down the road. Then he goes on to say this. So he gets the spear and he gets the, he gets the sword inside of his hand. Then in verse 10, then David arose, fled from Saul that day, and went to Achish, king of Gath. The servants of Achish, king of Gath. So now he's actually at the place where David where, where Goliath was dead. He said to him, Is this not David the king of the land? I'm coming to a close here. It says, Achish said to him, Is this not David the king of the land? Did they not sing in praise of this one that they danced, saying? So he's at the place where, where Goliath died. And this king says this. Saul has slain his thousands and David's his tens of thousands. David's like, oh boy, every time I hear that song. Oh, man. How many of y'all know, doesn't music have power? Like that song, Bones, when it comes on the radio, Randy Travis, I go back to Breckenridge, Texas. In a crappie house, fishing with my aunt and cousins and having a big time. Now, there's other songs that came on the radio that I'm reminded of foolish decisions I was making at that time. Doesn't words, don't, 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 doesn't music have power? Has power. And so this, he's like, oh boy. So David took these words to heart. He's got a sword in his hand. He's at Gath. He hears the song. The Bible says, so. He changed his behavior in, the, in their sight and acted insanely in their hands. And he scribbled on the doors of the gate and drooled on his beard. Then Achish said, Achish said to his servants, look, you see, this man is insane. I'm talking about David right here. You brought him to me. Do I lack madmen that you bring this one to behave like a madman in my presence? Shall this one come into my house? I'm just here to tell you this. You can have this in your hand all you want to and still act like an idiot. I see it all the time. That's why James 1 and verse 22, it says this. Don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer of the word. You know what it says in James 4, 17? Those that know what to do and don't do it, it's sin. I heard this story years ago. This 
guy came to our church in Longmont, Colorado, and I'll, I'll never forget the, the story that he told. Was how they were missionaries and they went to these people's house and the parents said to the kids, they said, before we get out, I want to tell you, we're about to go into this house and there's a boy here that we believe is going to receive a miracle. But when you see him, I don't want you to be devastated what you see. They walk into this house and they see this little boy inside of this baby bed and his head was two times the size of an adult and he had a baby's body. Some kind of disease. I'm here to tell you the reason that he told that story is because they laid hands on him and the boy is healed and he's perfect. This was years ago. But he used that analogy. I'll never forget it using James 1.22. There's many of y'all, y'all come in here and you've got a swollen head and your body has stayed the same. You have knowledge of the word of God, but you don't do the word of God. Listen, it's one thing to hear it. It's a whole nother thing to apply it to your everyday life life can you still drool and act like an idiot and have the word of God in your hand David did he had the sword in his hand he had the upper hand everybody he was singing a song of praise to him David has killed his tens of telling he started acting crazy what did he start doing he started acting like the person that he was running from David God anointed David to be king because there was things in David that he wanted. There was things in Saul that he did not. I'm just here to tell you right now. You can have the sword in your hand all you want to, but until you begin to apply it to your everyday life, you'll always run and never get away from the enemy. But the rest of the story goes on. I promise I'm almost done. Verse 1, it says, So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard about it, they went down there to him. Everyone who was suffering hardship and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him. And he became captain over them. There were about 400 men with him. See, he always had people. This time he's all alone. He gets his sword. He acts like a crazy man. And when you act like a crazy person, you will attract crazy people into your life. Hurt people hang out with hurt people. Broken people always hang out with broken people. That's just the beauty of the beast. Because they, that's where they feel at home around those people that complain. Complainers always find complainers. Right? If you're wondering, you're saying, Pastor, I don't know how I keep getting these people in my life. Then you need to stop being that You need to be something else, what the Word of God has to say. But the Bible says that David takes these 400 men, and he takes how broken they were in debt, everyone who's discontented, and God uses these men. He uses the leadership in David, the anointing on his life, to turn them around and be mighty men, warriors of God. But it goes on from there. The Lord talks to him just after that. He says, you need to go back to Judah, son. And I want to tell you the same thing as well. Because the end of the story is this. He ends up in the palace. He runs from Saul to the, the last, last moments. But he goes, comes back to this place of Judah. And I want to tell you this. Many of you in the room, not only you need the word of God, but you need to come back to that first love. 
He needed to go back to Judah to the place where his, his father's house was and come back to those fields and say it was in these moments, God, that you were there with me with the lion and you were there with me with the bear and you were also with me to prepare me for the giant. And this thing with Saul is bigger than me, but you know what? I believe in Judah. Those same things that helped me get to the place where I am today is still here today because God, your word is still the same. Your word is still true. It's living. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. I'm just here to remind some people today, you may be up against a giant. But the giants you defeated in the past, you're going to defeat them the same way by the word of the Lord. And by the word of your testimony. In the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, get him back to the place of Judah. When he came back to it... God began to show him some things. You read the rest of the story. He begins to win on every side. And then he ends up, we'll pick up the story next week of how he was a sinner. But I'm here to tell you some people today. I'm telling you, let's stand to our feet. As I was studying this, I want to say this boldly to you. You're either Saul in the story or you're David in the story. You're still, there's people in the room right now. You are so worried about somebody else. The decision that they're going to make. The, the, the things that they're doing. That you forget about you. I'm telling you, you are going down a road that's going to wreck. You're going to run into something that you don't need to run into. There's some of you in the room, you're dealing with that. You're dealing with that insecurity, that jealousy. You don't have... I just want to tell you right now, you're never going to find happiness unless you get a relationship with God. And you've got to apply the word of God. You've got to apply it. You've got to apply the word of God. Because what you're doing is, is you're looking for, for all of these words to be said to you. You're addicted to that, but it has nothing to grab a hold of. See, when you get a relationship with God and he truly is the Lord of your life... You're not worried about all the comments from everybody else because every comment, every good and perfect gift cometh from above. You're not worried about your, you know, you should be worried about your health, but what other people thinking about you, I'm too skinny or I'm too fat or I'm too this or I'm too that. I'm telling you, God created you in his image. The work he began in you, he will complete it. He will complete it. So don't be chasing and throwing spears at everybody else because they have something that you want. You be like David. And you come back to a place of Judah and you say, it's in this place that God, you called me for such a time as this. I'm going to have my sword in my hand, but I'm not going to be one with my sword in my hand and drooling out the other end. I'm going to apply the word of God to my life. I'm going to do what it's called me to do. I'm going to be who it's called me to be. Are you guys getting something out of this? I hope you are. David. David. A man after God's own heart. With every head bowed, with every eye closed. God, I pray for this congregation, these people. I lift them up to you right now, Lord. 
And I pray for those, Lord, that even right now, they're struggling right now in their heart. Something that's been said or done. Or... I wish they would just think how I think. I wish that they would just see it the way that I see it. Listen, you'll never be happy if you're that way. You've got to see the, thing, the way God sees things. Cast the flesh to the side and call on the Spirit of God to rise up. There may have been spears thrown at you today or this last week or this month that you're still... I'm going to tell you, you're going to go from cheers to spears to tears. And if you're not careful, if you don't rely on the Lord, if you don't rely on His Word, you'll always be running. You'll always be hurt. Cast your care on Him, for He cares for you. If you're in the room and you say, you know what, Pastor? I'm away from God. There's sin in my life. The Bible tells us sin separates us from God. The Bible also tells us that there was a solution that the Bible tells us in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that He gave, gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. He didn't send His Son in the world to condemn the world, but that through, the world, through His Son we might be saved. So if you're in the world, in the, in the room, and you're in the world. I want to tell you, God's calling you back to the kingdom of God. So if you're out there and you say, oh, I'm away from God, here's, here's the response. Romans 10, 9 and 10. If I confess with my mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in my heart that he died on the cross on the third day, rose again, he'd come live on the inside of you. Don't go another day without asking Jesus to come live in you. That's you today. Invite him in. If you're out there and you say, Pastor, I'm away from God. I need to ask Jesus to come. Just lift your hand. Say, who is that? They're head bowed, they're right close. You're away from God. You want to invite him in today. Praise God. Well, I believe everybody's saved. Y'all look at me. Next week, I've never heard it preached, but I'm going to do it. We look at all the great things David did. But David messed up and he messed up big. We're going to talk about David the sinner. See, here's the deal. If you don't daily worship, if you don't daily confess, if you don't daily have the word in your hand and speak the word and live by the word, the enemy is crouching at your door. And I don't care how big, how many people you've raised from the dead. What kind of spiritual mountains you've conquered. The enemy is around the corner to take you out. Next week we're going to look at that. But still, thank, how many of y'all thankful for God's grace and his mercy? Amen. I'm thankful. We'll talk about that next week. His grace, his mercy. That is sufficient for us. We need it. Listen, you need it every day. Every minute of every day. Y'all be here next week. Y'all going to be here next week? Amen. Thanks for joining us. We want to thank all of you who give to our ministries here at AOL Church. It's because of you that all of this is possible. You can give now by clicking the link below. And if you haven't already, subscribe and share this message. 
It helps us reach more people and share the gospel through you. Be sure to stay connected to us through our Church Center app, our website, arenaoflifechurch.org, and follow us on social media like Facebook and Instagram. May the Lord bless you and keep you. His face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. Thanks again for listening. Go and make a difference today.